Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former D3 student athlete and co-host... Ryan! Find us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at TheFinalScore35. There is always plenty to run through, but before we get to it, a word from our presenting sponsor. Team Anders' goal is to serve its clients in finding the home that best fits their needs and make the process simple and fun along the way. They are a team of people who will be in close communication personally taking care of your real estate needs through technology, marketing, and advertising. Team Anders has served thousands of clients over 30-plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. Welcome to another TFS pod. Officially, as Ryan just informed me, our 60th so far. I think we've taken one week off in the last year plus, and we're having a blast doing it. Man, lots of stuff just to cover in the intro alone besides our regular stuff. Kyler Murray, is he breaking up with the Cardinals? If you haven't heard, check out social media or his lack thereof. Happy birthday to Spud Webb, not literally, but for his dunk contest win this day in 1986. Epic. 5'7 dude throwing it down, beating his Hawks teammate Dominique Wilkins. After this week, no more football until August. Is that crazy? Ooh. But that's okay, because Hoops is about to get crazy, unless you're a Spartans fan. And yep, we're coming at you without the 24-hour rule tonight, so hang tight. Enough on that intro. Lots to cover tonight. Ryan, the lectern is yours. Yeah, I'll keep it short. Um, I'm going to talk the Lions. Um, You know, just got news today that, well, last night, I guess, that the Saints hired uh, their former defensive coordinator, um, Dennis Allen, to be their head coach, which means Aaron Glenn is staying with the Lions, which is a huge, um, you know, keep for the Lions. I think the Lions' defense um, drastically improved under Aaron Glenn with a lot of injuries, um, and they have a lot of room for for growth um, this coming season. I think there's a good free agent pool this year and and good um, draft picks there on the horizon. So the Lions, their defense is looking up. I love to see that, love to hear that. And the Lions just promoted Ben Johnson, former tight ends coach, to be the offensive coordinator. Um, obviously firing Anthony Lynn right after the season, who was basically non-existent the last 10 games of the year um, with uh, with Dan Campbell calling plays. Dan Campbell, I think, will still do a lot of the play calling, uh, and, but Ben Johnson will be kind of the guy running the show kind of behind the behind the scenes there but um excited for the lions here um big potential in the draft um in in free agency this year to you know shore up especially with uh the nfc north kind of being weak um next year packers if they lose rogers could be bad the vikings new coach new gm could be bad the bears they're bad maybe the lions could have a chance who knows i'm done all right well, this was kind of breaking news in the middle of our pod last week, so naturally, I need to continue on my either either it's COVID or it's delusional Michigan fans for my podium, and we're going to go back to door number two, delusional Michigan fans, specifically related to Jim Harbaugh. So this week, last week, Wednesday on the podcast, Ryan broke the news at the time that all of a sudden Harbaugh was going back to Michigan. And it was immediately being spun as though he was going back because that was his choice. That's what he wanted. Nothing. Shout out to Mike Valenti, who I think I've mentioned here before, way back in the day when I did a little bit of sports radio uh, once a week, when I you know wrote for BitterRivals.com, the Michigan State Michigan site that I don't even know if still exists or not. We used to go in and do studio with Dave Mad Dog DeMarco, and Valenti was the producer. Now, of course, he has his own show in the Detroit area. Had an epic take, not really a rant, but a take on this whole Harbaugh situation last week. Um, I'm not going to borrow any of his words necessarily, but kind of his premise was Harbaugh's basically, Michigan basically has a bad marriage with Harbaugh. Ryan, I think Ryan even might have said it last week on the pod. Harbaugh's been looking at prettier girls on Instagram or Snapchat, and then he's going to go back to his his current girl and say, oh, no, you're good enough. Michigan fans, Detroit Free Press, media that is spinning this, what planet are you from? 
I mean, you're really making the headline about how Jim made this a choice to go back to Ann Arbor? He was out the door. Why else are his coordinators leaving? McDonald went back and, you know, took the D.C. job back in Baltimore. I get it. He was a position coach before. Okay, maybe that's an upgrade. But Gaddis is gone. Other assistants are dropping. I think you just today picked up, I think this is a defensive coordinator, and even if it was offensive coordinator, it's from Vanderbilt, one of the worst Division I teams year in and year out, except for when James Franklin was there. Michigan fans, wake the F up. Harbaugh was out the door. He made he said his goodbyes before he went to Minnesota. He assumed he was a shoe-in. The athletic coverage from the Minnesota side was great. Everybody there kind of assumed he was the shoe-in because he was the name guy, right? They hired a Rams assistant as their head coach. He went there assuming he wasn't even have to interview, and then he had to interview, and huh, surprise, he sucked at it because he's weird. He had a sleepover at a place kicker's house during recruiting. You need any more proof that he's weird? He backed the doctor at Michigan who fondled hundreds upon hundreds of Michigan student-athletes, male. Harbaugh's weird, and he didn't want you, Michigan, but he's going back. And here's the coup de grace. There's being celebrated on The Athletic. You know, it's kind of still recruiting season, right? Being celebrated that Michigan got a three-star running back. When has three-star ever been good enough for you, Michigan fans? When has three-star ever been something to celebrate for you? That's because it's going downhill. It's going to hell in a handbasket. And you delusional ones, not all of you, but a lot of you in the media that's spinning it. hmm, Funny, media spins things. COVID, but I digress. You're going to go down with them. I'm sorry. I, I give it... A week or two, maybe through spring ball before McCarthy transfers to Miami where Gaddis went, where other guys drop. Stop with your delusion. Stop with your delusion. I, as a Michigan State fan, I'm fine that Harbaugh stayed because he can't beat Michigan State that when we have a good team. He can't beat Ohio State except for this year. Your peak was last year, and boy, the ride down the mountain ain't going to be fun. All right, let's go to our tee-up segment. Ryan, this one is all yours this week. I can't even remember exactly what you told me because it was a busy day at work today, but I know you've got a good one. So tee them up and tell us why. Yeah, last Thursday, um, UCLA played at Arizona. Arizona won a pretty tight game. Um, you know, two of the best teams uh, in the Pac-12 and in the country. Um, obviously, I said Arizona won. Um, and as UCLA was walking up the court, a guy that wasn't playing, he's the man-bun guy, Mac Etienne. He's not even good when he plays. He was hurt. Um, walking up the court, got into a verbal altercation with a, with a fan, and he proceeded to spit at him twice right in front of a police officer and was then arrested. I don't know what the charges were, but uh, was arrested. Dude, are you just stupid? There's a cop right there, and you're spitting on somebody. What are you doing? This guy's an idiot. Bone, he was an idiot last year when Michigan State played him. He was got this long-haired man when he looks like Freak. What a loser. Yeah, I mean, come on, dude. Like, hold it together. I don't care. Tell me you're he frustrated. He wasn't even playing. A, tell me you're frustrated in a loss. Whatever. You're playing a Division One sport, and you're a top five, top ten team. If you can't handle taking a road loss in a sport where teams lose left and right, case in point, as we'll get to in a minute, games even tonight, you should not even be anywhere near the court. Tee him up. Get him out of here. I hope he doesn't sit on the UCLA bench again this year. All right. Well, spot number one, you all know, is all about primarily Big Ten hoops, but also a little bit of NCAA hoops. We've got Illinois-Purdue going right now in a battle for a tie for the top. Um, Right now, Purdue is down at home to Illinois by six, and this will have some bearing on on a later topic today. But We'll spend a lot of time unpacking Michigan State really the last two games since we talked because, you know, Ryan and I are big Michigan State fans and it's on our mind. But there's other stuff to talk about in the Big Ten. Ryan, give us a little bit of rundown on what's what since the last time we talked. Um, Who's your team of the week and how are our lineups doing? And then we'll just kind of spew on everything else. Yeah, let me find – where is it? I'll find uh, last week's Big Ten. Yeah, we can actually start with our our Big Ten – 
uh, starting five thing we've been doing here. Um, this is updated as of the weekend, not tonight's games yet. Um, but I have played two more games than you. Um, I have a total of 1674. You have a total of 1585. Um, so... Um, doing a little better but you have a couple games to make up here um behind me but my my guards are scoring more you're rebounding more i have more assists you have way more blocks i have more steals but you actually have more wins than me um so i think it's gonna come down to the end when it comes to that yeah i got my it's big guys going tonight i got coffee and travion going tonight, yeah so. i like looking at that it gives me something to do take a break um at work um looking at that stuff uh but big 10 wise um let's get to it um the weekend review we did Wednesday last week. Is that right? Wednesday, yeah. Yeah. So Thursday, um, Ohio State, Ohio, Ohio State, Iowa postponed due to weather. Didn't play um, Saturday. Uh, Michigan kind of gave Purdue a scare. Really, they played really well. Hunter Dickinson, the one man show, um, just trying to carry Michigan, but they fall to eleven and nine. They're losing currently to Penn State. Don't know if that'll hold up, uh, but if they lose that, oh dear, I think their season's done. I think the tr- yeah, the train comes off the rails. I think Wisconsin, freaking fifty-one forty-nine against Penn State. It was eighteen to thirteen at half. An absolute snoozer. Wisconsin pulled it out. I hate Wisconsin. They were on their way to that tonight too, and then they woke up in the second half, as did Michigan State. Michigan State obviously played like complete garbage against Rutgers. You know, it's not good. Games like that happen. I will say. I mean, it's a microcosm. It is. It's there's bigger problems there that we'll unpack in a minute. But I mean. I had less of a of a verbal issue with that than let's say Ryan did just because kind of sometimes you just you get a team that's hot. I mean, Rutgers was shot over 60% from the game. Everything they touched was magic. It was gold. Sometimes you just have games like that where you're off. Although Michigan State wasn't even that off as their best. They've shot lights out from three. Gabe Brown finally woke up temporarily. Um, but they couldn't buy a bucket at the rim, which has been an ongoing problem. It's an issue. They couldn't not turn it over, which is an ongoing problem. Um, Never gets fixed. Rutgers, you know that those are the kind of wins, like much like the one they had against Purdue but, earlier. But Rutgers, the, here's the funny thing: they are on nobody's tournament list right now. None, none of the bracketology. And they've had big wins. And they have good wins. Yeah, yeah they, they really do. do. And they've beat, got a chance for more. Yeah, I think they're. I mean, they're not. They're a ten seed, but they're a a respectable 10 or 11, I think. I don't know. But Illinois, absolutely. It's looking like one of the sec, one 1A and 1B with Purdue and Illinois here in the Big Ten. Unbelievable. Purdue back just had a run and took the back lead Back and forth game. game going yeah. on right now. And then Illinois down to Indiana just buries them late. Absolutely buries them. Mm-hmm. Wins by 17. Northwestern shot the, the lights out against Nebraska. Nebraska's over in the Big Ten. Hoiberg might be going out the door here soon. I would, I'd reckon. I don't know. Ken Miles was better, a better job. With he was better. Less talent, arguably. Yes, I, I mean he's had some injuries and stuff this year. I don't think he'll be gone after this year. But they've got to. They've got to. They got to start winning some games. He's like eight and fifty in the Big Ten. Because here, fun factoid: they're right up like in the top two or three of attendance in the Big Ten. At 0 and whatever they are, 12, 0 and 11, 0 and 12. That is impressive. I mean, that's crazy. Sunday, Ohio State dismantled Maryland, who is, I think, they're, they, that was the knockout punch for Maryland. I think that they will struggle to win a couple games the rest of this year, to be honest with you. Um, Iowa handled Minnesota after being down a half, ended up winning by 12. Keegan Murray, 24 and 15. Dude's been phenomenal. He's an All-America candidate. He's a first-round first pick, top-ten pick kind of guy right now um tonight illinois and purdue obviously close game going on michigan down eight uh to penn state and then indiana and northwestern tied here um indiana without five guys tonight due to discipline yeah we'll we'll talk michigan state last college basketball as a whole um auburn lost tonight to uh, uh, arkansas who is playing really really well storm with the flashing lights and everything really really well arkansas is there vegas knows vegas had arkansas as a one-point favorite and i'm looking at that spread today going no way i mean auburn played a, a i mean got lucky to beat george over the weekend who's bad and arkansas is pretty good plus it was on the road but hey Vegas knows, baby. They do. Basketball is a crazy sport. Duke lost last night to Virginia, who was pretty After bad this year. After they destroyed uh, North Carolina. A bad, bad Virginia team. Not the ones we've had the last few years. Um, yeah, it's just basketball is crazy right now. I mean, 
this is the only silver lining in the Michigan State thing. They're seventeen and six right now. I mean, there's good teams that have seven or eight losses. Right. Yeah, there are. And Michigan I mean, State has a chance for a lot of key wins. Obviously, a chance for a lot of losses as well. But we'll get to that now. Yeah. Um, here. Well, here, here's one thing I want to say about that too. Two quick things, and then we'll break down both the games. So, you know, where Michigan State is, let's be honest. Ryan and I both had some great thoughts the way things were going that, hey, maybe this team can be kind of a quasi-outside contender, even though we knew the schedule was backloaded for the Big Ten. Then they lose the Northwestern game. Okay, once in a while a game like that bites you. Then they lose to Illinois on the road, on the road, but without their two best players. The Rutgers game, flush it. You're going to have games like that. But then they lose a game like tonight, a team that they manhandled just a couple of weeks ago on the road. And something is amiss. Often it is. Uh, My buddy Polo, who played at Michigan State, will remind me and and our other buddies that, guys, it's early February. It matters come March, and Izzo will have it right. It happened last year, right? I mean, Michigan State was backs against the wall and beat three top five teams in the last four games to even make the tournament. That's not going to be the case this year. I think where my disappointment overall lies in the fact that I really, you know, with some of the things that Michigan State was doing, which is playing good defense, and at least being not as great a rebounding team as they have in the past, but a good rebounding team, you know, third or fourth best in the Big Ten, still plus. You know, with those things and the way Michigan State was shooting the ball, I think number one going into tonight in the Big Ten, number uh, for three-point shooting and number four in the Big Ten overall, and pretty highly ranked nationally, I was thinking, okay, maybe Michigan State's got a chance. But you can't lose games like that Northwestern game and that Illinois game and even this Wisconsin game. You just can't give up. You can't lose at home. You can't lose at home, period, and win the Big Ten. You, You just can't. So the other thing I'll throw in there before we break down the games a little bit is this is a pretty fun factoid, and Polo shot this my way for Michigan State fans out there, or just Big Ten fans in general. With the, their last win last week at Maryland, and by the way, Izzo is just two wins from overtaking Bob Knight as the all-time winningest coach in Big Ten play. Pretty remarkable, if you ask me, but he's been stonewalled the last two. Anyway, with the win against Maryland last week, whatever day that was, um, Michigan State has clinched 30 Four consecutive seasons with a better than 500 record. 34 in a row. That's tops ever in the Big Ten. There have been some long stretches. There have been some. But that's since 1988. That's pre-Breslin Center. I mean, talk about the longevity and the consistency. And as much as we can sit here and piss and moan and bitch about, you know, and break down every little thing, I, I... We've been a little bit spoiled, too, as Michigan State fans. Yeah, we only have one natty in that time, but there's a lot of final eight, there's final, eight, fours. eight final fours in there. There have been chances, a lot of Big Ten titles, a lot of Big Ten tourney titles. This is a team that wins, and I think, you know, yeah, we've gotten spoiled, and we want to win, and we want to compete, and that's why the losses hurt that much. Um, but I just wanted to throw that out there before before we look at it. And then the other thing is, aside from what's going on in Illinois-Purdue game tonight, I mean, I wrote this down after they played Indiana. To me, right now, Illinois is actually, when they're healthy, looking like the most complete team in the Big Ten. They've got a lot of, like, huh, who is that parts to their team. But when Curbelo is going and Kofi is going. And I think Trent Frazier is the X factor. Trent, Trent Frazier, he he's really, really, really good. I think they have a little bit more consistency than Purdue. We'll see what happens tonight, but it's going to be a dogfight between those two. And the, re- the rest are going to be kind of a couple games out at the end of the at the end of the day. So, all right, Ryan. Take us through some of your thoughts from from both the games. We can kind of mix and match with both games. You don't have to break it down. Rutgers then Wisconsin. I don't. But. I, I'm not even going to talk about the Rutgers game. That game was just they were lifeless. It I was mean, bad. eleven made threes. Eleven for nineteen. I think they were from three. Gabe was like missed his first one short. Surprise and made like six or seven in a row. And you thought, oh hey, they can compete. I mean, you shoot over fifty percent from three, but you give up over sixty percent to the opposing team. They just look lifeless. And like I said, you have games like that once in a while. It happens. I can actually almost more accept just a dud. It's like uh, my old boy Jeff would say, it's like tanking in a tennis match and just saying, you know what, forget it. I'm just going to give him this game, um, you know, and I'm going to focus on the set. That's kind of what Michigan State did. Fine, that happens. But there's some alarming things going on. And, Ryan, I'll let you start with some of the things you see because you clearly you played college basketball. You understand them even better than I do. But <laughs> let's let's break it down. Let's get it out there. Yeah, to me, this loss, this is, this loss is a just a. It's despicable to Wisconsin. This is a despicable loss. 
for for one of many reasons for many reasons. This the Northwestern game. That's a game Michigan State easily should have won. If they didn't play like idiots, they would have won easily. Same with Illinois on the road. Don't have that cold shooting stretch of start. Don't start off bad. You probably don't lose. For me, with Michigan State, it's all with the start. If you look at it, when they lose these games, usually in the first five minutes, you can tell. Kansas and Baylor, those are two of the top 15 teams in the country. Those, I mean, they're better than us. Northwestern, not even close to being better than Michigan State. In the first five minutes, you could tell. Michigan State didn't have it. Against Illinois in the first five minutes, you could tell. And Illinois is a better team than Michigan State, but not when they don't have Curbelo and Kofi. In the first five minutes against Rutgers, you could tell Michigan State didn't have it. And then tonight against Wisconsin, you could tell Michigan State didn't have it. You could tell in the first 20 minutes They they don't play with emotion. This team... They don't. They have the blankest looks on their face. If you don't play with emotion, I and you're playing Division One basketball, especially this late in the season, you're playing for seeding. You're playing for for pride to try to win a Big Ten championship. These guys look like they'd rather be anywhere else. They really do, and it's and it's it's dumbfounding. Really, I mean, they look like they'd ra- they they just had this blank look on their face. They let things happen to them. Usually when stuff happens to you on the basketball court, you try to respond and make something happen. They don't. They let. They get pushed. They're on their heels. Their backs are against the wall, and they're cowering. They That's don't have an alpha. Doing. That's the, the bottom line is they don't have an alpha. And here's the other problem I'm going to say. I'm going to ask you this question, Ryan. Are we at a place where Michigan State had better point guard play last year than this year? Walker won't shoot. Walker he's won't he's shoot shriveled up like shrinkage in a pool. I mean... Talk about talk about turtling up. I mean, he has been persona non grata for the last several games. Really, yeah, he's been Hogard is like a effing yo yo. I mean, just, he's so up and down. He makes plays that you're like, wow, how did he make that? And then he can't make five he can't layups make a, in a row. A, you know, he can't make a pass. I, I mean, he he threw away passes tonight at critical times when Michigan State would buckle down and get a stop, and then he's throwing these lollipop passes that guys can't get to. So I gotta ask. Was Michigan State better off with Rocket and Foster at point guard at this point last year or just putting the ball in Henry's, in, in Henry's hand? And I'm telling you, you saw it late in the first half tonight. There was a stretch where it was Akins and Christie on the floor together as the one and the two, and they took turns handling the ball, and then it was Christie before they went back to Hogard. I don't, and I don't think there was foul trouble or anything like that. But clearly, Izzo is seeing it too. Like last year, Michigan State buckled down and won games when they had to to get to the tournament and give themselves a chance. They were tough. They just put the ball in damn Aaron Henry's hands and said, "Go work. You can drop little drop passes. You can get to the lane, kind of like Johnny Davis does. Hit those ten to twelve footers, those tough, tough in your face floaters. He could switch hands and shoot really well and finish with his right hand. Michigan State lacks that alpha dog this year, and that is the number one." unequivocal problem we talked about it early in the year to say somebody's got to step up we thought for a little while maybe it would be Gabe Brown it's too streaky like Ryan you say it all the time he he can't get his own shot he can't put the ball on the floor without it getting knocked away he can get hot from three at times he can get to the rack he's athletic and dunk but he's he's got to have a wide open path he can't just put the he can't work the dribble like a Johnny Davis for Wisconsin um he can't work the dribble even like Max Christie but Max Christie has been I don't know if he's going through a freshman slump. I don't know if he's hit a wall. I don't know if he's just not quite as good as we thought he was. I mean, the good news is, I guess, is he'll be back next year because he's not going to go to the pros after the way he's gone. I mean, he scores 10 points, Michigan State wins. He doesn't. Pretty much Michigan State loses is kind of the the fact. But, um, you know, like, again tonight, just lifeless performance for a long time. 23 points with a banked long two at the end of the first half. Marcus Bingham had half of Michigan State's first half points and was the only reason that they stayed in the game. I mean, Michigan State was out-toughed. They were lifeless. It's just getting really, really puzzling. I'm just tired of it. I, I really am. I The toughness piece, I get, like losing sucks. It does. But when you don't show toughness, and play your heart out for 40 minutes, I have a problem with it. And that's what the issue's been with Michigan State. They don't play hard. You can They played hard from Stretches. from the 18-minute mark till the 8-minute mark of the second half. They played hard. Then they disappeared from the 8-minute mark till the 110 mark, and then they played hard from the 110 mark to about the 30-second mark. You can't win games, period, when you're playing that. you got to play 40 minutes hard, especially in the Big Ten you can't win. I am just tired of it. 
I'm tired of it. And you know what? I this I just thought of this. If I'm Tom Izzo, I say Jaden Akins, you're effing playing point guard the rest of the way. You're going to play 30 minutes a game. You're tougher than our other guys. You take care of the ball. You make him a point guard and you live with it. Because he is better than those two. You play Hogard five and you play Walker five and more if there is if there's foul trouble. Get the ball in, in Christie's hands a little bit more that way too. Let him create for himself. He can create. He can he can shoot. His shot is good. It's just tired going down right now. But hey, I'll tell you, say what you want about Wisconsin, but damn it all. They're tough. For years. They, they pair a star like a Johnny Davis or any number of guys that have been Spartan killers over the year. With a bunch of guys who just freaking play their style and it works. A bunch of gumpy white guys, if you want to say it. Brad Davison, as much as you might hate him, he's a difference maker because he understands their swing offense. He understands how to play defense. And they just don't make very many mistakes. Nope. And tell me the last time. Maybe last year they didn't finish in the top four in the Big Ten. And that would have been the first time in, in the 2000s, I believe, that they didn't finish in the top four of the Big Ten. That's the consistency. I mean, Michigan State's had kind of more upper echelon stuff, certainly, than a program like Wisconsin, but the roller coaster ride that we go on. I mean, I'm going to read you a quote from Colton Pouncey uh, in his article on The Athletic today. Again, if you don't subscribe to The Athletic, I, I highly recommend it. This quote says it all. This is Tom Izzo. We're a confusing team for you all. A confusing team for the fans, but a confusing team for our staff a little bit too. But a likable one, Izzo said. I think we still have opportunities to really improve. That's what I'm looking at. That was an article going into tonight's game. Yeah, they do. Okay, let's. Right, they've got obviously some guys that can shoot. They've got a major turnover problem. In case you've missed it on this podcast or otherwise, they turn it over on over 20% of their possessions. Folks, that's one out of every five times they have the ball, they cough it up. And very often it's a turnover for touchdown style. You can't sustain. And you can't improve and you can't compete for titles when you just turn around and like hand the ball to the other team and say go. It's like it's like the water boy when he you know he picks off the pass and then he throws it to the Iowa guy just because he wants to kick him in the end zone. I mean, what in the hell are we doing? Like those are the things that frustrate me. And like Ryan said, it's the hustle stuff. I will tell you tonight, the time that the game when I when I actually felt like Michigan State had a chance to win this game, it wasn't for very long tonight. My friends can attest based on the texts that were flying. It was when Akins was in there and he just gave energy. He got in there for He's a crazy energizer put mind. back. He it, you know he might make some freshman mistakes, yeah, but he plays defense. He grinds. He battles like we do. We need a lineup change. I'm I'm sorry. I I don't understand. What is going on with Joe? Joey made some things today. I mean, he had that one three that like spun and hung on the rim forever. That would that right there, honestly, I that's, I think they win the game. That was my mark where I said that's where they lose because if it's not going to go in on that, he got a good look when they got kind of the good overturn late. Um, you know, a chance to cut the seven point, I think, at that point to four, and it rattled in and out. It's not so much that Joey's been playing poorly because actually lately he's, he's not been right. as much my whipping boy, but. You have got to just say, Malik Hall, you've got the biggest kahunas on the team. You are our alpha dog. The drive down the middle, one-hand flush, the spinning two-hand flush, that shows you what he can do. He's got a little bit of a fadeaway. He can shoot the three. I think I heard Riley say to you tonight, Ryan, on the phone, that this is the first game maybe in his career that he's scored double digits that we haven't won. Make him the damn alpha. I don't. He's a, he's a he's captain the best already. I don't care if he's player. not a senior. I don't care if he doesn't have champion. Who has championship experience on this team? That was a little bit about what that article was about. Yeah, Bingham was around, Brown was around, Hall was around, but none of them were huge players on that last Big Ten championship team Michigan State had. Like, make Hall the guy. Bring Hauser off the bench. Use that Hall-Hauser small ball lineup if you want. Freaking put Marcus Bingham in the post and let him go to Feed work. him, man. Feed him. He's got a great hook. He's long. He's long arms. He's a pretty good finisher. He's been really good putting the ball on the floor He's been lately. great. I mean, I don't, I can't fathom what he's doing. I love Julius Marble, but man, he has he's been an awful. absolute train wreck the last couple games. Don't know what's going on with him. But the other thing I agree with is put Aikens in the game. If you don't want to start him at the point guard, because that's a lot of pressure at this point in the season, fine. But find him more minutes and and then share the duties. Hey, if you could do it last year with Aaron Henry doing everything for your team, and a couple of other guys may be stepping up once in a while when they had you. Aaron Henry flat out carried Michigan State down the stretch last year. You've got more than enough guys that can carry this team. 
Just get a guy who doesn't just hand teams the ball and let him play point guard. I, I want to love Walker. He's fast. He's got quick hands. He's an I want him to shoot more. He's afraid. He's He has no confidence. I don't know what it is. And then AJ's on the other side of the spectrum. He's got way too much confidence. This ain't the playground of Philly, AJ. Sponge, you know, sideshow Bob with the haircut. Stop throwing the ball away like it's, you know, candy. Freaking take care of the rock. These are things that tenants in Michigan State rebound, defend, run. They're not rebounding do any of very well. Two huge possessions in down the stretch in that game where they had two, three guys fighting for the rebound. Like, talk. Say, I got it. They kick it out of bounds on a chance when they're down two, I think, at one of the points, down three at one of the points. Could have easily gone down and gotten that kind of momentum-changing basket. And Ryan called them both times. They're going to hit a two. They're going to hit a three. Boom, they did. And Johnny Davis just took over. I mean, those are the things that frustrate the hell out of me about this Michigan State team is they just they can't string together stops and in, in makes. You know, this game tonight was a game they absolutely could have won. Brad Davidson didn't play very well. Probably the worst he's ever played against Michigan State. Johnny Davis was great late, but, it okay, one guy can't beat you. It's letting guys like Hepburn beat you. Chucky Hepburn, really? I mean, Tyler Wall didn't even really hurt Michigan State that much, at least, you know, when it counted down at the end. I mean, again, the Big Ten title was realistically a long shot at best, but three winnable losses in conference as the schedule gets harder and harder – and two of those being at home is really, really, really hard to Last do. Last thing on this subject, I'm going to read some Izzo quotes from his pressure, presser. We got punk from the very beginning. Called it a poor coaching job. I'll get calls from former players tonight because that is not how Michigan State plays. The coach has got to get his team ready to play. I'm not trying to take it off the players. They came out inept. In my humble opinion, and not physical enough. That is my job. I mean that. Write it, say it, not looking for any sympathy. We did not play with enough passion. I don't know why, but that's my job. Then fix it, Tom! It keeps happening! You're supposedly a Hall of Famer, and you haven't fixed it once! Yeah, it's been a while. It's ridiculous, dude! I don't want to say the game is There's no more excuses. And I got to tell you, I look at a guy like Jabari Smith who made two ballsy threes late for Auburn while they were trying to come back against Arkansas. Freshman, probably the number one overall pick in the draft next year. Michigan State's not – Max Christie's a really nice player, a couple-year, maybe a three-year guy, you know, but by the time he beefs up and stuff. This is why Michigan State doesn't get the one-and-done guys because Izzo doesn't tweak his his style to them. They've got to fit his style. And I, I don't know. I don't want to say it's time for him to go because I want to see him get another title. I think he still has it in him. But he's he's I think he's struggling right now with what levers to pull. He's a little softer on this team than I think I've seen him be in the past. You got to pick an alpha. You've got to set your expectation. You have set an expectation and go. Like, here's the last thing that I'm going to say about this, and we'll switch because we've hung on basketball for a long time. Hats off to Wisconsin. That was their first win at the Breslin with fans. They won at Christmas Day last year in front of cardboard cutouts since 2004, I think is what they said. Yep. That's a long damn time. It's the first back to back season wins for Wisconsin at Michigan State since they played at Jenison Fieldhouse. If that, think about that for a second. Bo Ryan, who we all hated, and it seemed to always have Michigan State's number. It was clearly at the Kohl Center. It wasn't at Breslin. I, I mean, great. They're Michigan State's two games out of first place, loss-wise. It's not like the season is lost, but for spoiled-ass Michigan State fans like us, let it, we'll be delusional. We'll be a little delusional enough to think that we had a chance to win the Big Ten. We accept that we're not going to win the Big Ten, but damn it, get something right, or we're looking at like 20 and 11 in a season of, huh, we really should have been better. All right. We'll keep it in basketball for spot number two. Um, we're going to switch it up. Ryan's going to keep track of something new. We give him lots of stuff to keep track of. He's also now fully in charge of coming up with social media calendar and all that kind of stuff as we try to garner more sponsorships. But We'll give him another something to track just to keep him on his toes. We're going to get into our own bracketology. Hey, everyone else does it. Joe Lenardi probably is the original. Everybody's got a bracket. We're, no, we're not going to give you the whole bracket. Yoo-hoo. But what we're going to do week to week is we're going to look at the, who we think week to week are the number one seeds and then who is in from the Big Ten and what seed. All right, Ryan, I'll let you go first with your number one seeds. Yep, as of right now, um, these are my number one seeds in no particular order. Gonzaga, Auburn, Arizona, Purdue. Gonzaga, Arizona. Okay, so you have Arizona. So I've got 
Auburn in the South, they lost tonight, but they're still looking like one of the best. Um, I've got Gonzaga in the West. I've got Kentucky in the Midwest, and I've got Purdue in the East. Watching this great game between Purdue and Illinois, that could honestly very easily change back and forth. But, you know, say at the end of the day it could be Illinois. But for right now, for me, it's Purdue. Where do you have the Big Ten? Who's in and where are they seated? Yeah, um, so let me see here. Let me pull this up. So Big Ten, um, Big Ten teams in. I honestly forgot about this part. Um, Big Ten teams in. Well, I think obviously I, I think Purdue's is going to be a one seed. Um, you know, I think that, that if they, especially if they win tonight, I think that they have a, a really good chance to run the table um, and, and create some noise. Um, and then Illinois, ah, you know, I think that they're a two or a three. Right now, I'll say a three. Um, you know, I, I think that they have the potential. If they win these games that they against Purdue, you know, beat other good teams. I think if they finish with seven or less losses total, I think that that's going to be a one seed. I think if they get more than seven, they're they'll less than nine. I think they'll be a two um, ish. But I think I think right now they're on the three line, um, which is which is really good. Um, you know, would definitely take that if I was an Illinois fan. Um, yeah. Uh, then uh, let's see here. Um, Michigan State. Oh dear God, I don't even know what they'd be as of right now. I'd say a five seed. Um, you know, I I think that. That is probably going to be their ceiling from here on out. Um, I don't know. Um, Wisconsin, I'd say they probably end up as a four. Um, you know, I think they could play their way onto a three line. Um, you know, but who knows um, with them? They're kind of a, a roller coaster. Could play really well. You know, could play really bad. Who knows? Um, Ohio State, I think that's a, going to be a, a five seed as well. Um, you know, I think that they they do have a chance to do do really well in the tournament as well. Um, but also kind of a, a team that's Jekyll and Hyde here and there all around the square. Um, Iowa, I think they're going to end up being about a nine. Dangerous nine, but, you know. Indiana, I didn't even think about this. On Lenardi and, and Jerry Palm today, they have them as a bubble team at 16-6. and six. Really? They've got some nice wins, too. Yeah, they do. I, I guess they can't afford any more bad losses. I'll say an eight for Indiana. I think that's a pretty good... And then for my, I mean, I'm trying to think what else for, for the Big Ten here. I mean, shoot. Mm. I mean, maybe Rutgers, maybe Michigan. Maybe Rutgers. I don't think Michigan's going to get it. I think they end up being an NIT team. Uh, dang. I don't know. I don't know who else. I've, I'll say Rutgers. I'll say that they're going to end up being a 10 seed. I think that's going to be it in the Big Ten, though. I really do. All right. Well, I've got, obviously, Purdue also as a number one. Right now, I've got Illinois as a number two. And obviously, this is week by week. So, this is kind of an as-is right now. A lot of things can change in college of basketball. I've got Wisconsin as a three after the way they played Michigan State tonight. Wisconsin is something like 12-0 and in games decided by six points or less or 11-0. and Impressive win at Michigan State tonight. Like I said, they've got the style to give teams fits. They're hard to defend with their swing. And then a guy like Johnny Davis. So I've got them all the way at a three right now. I've got Ohio State as a number five. I really like them. I think they kind of, you know, Zed Key, Liddell obviously is a force inside, but they're a little undersized. That could potentially bite them. They a did beat bit. Duke. Um, but yeah, they did beat Duke, who's got who's kind of been an enigma of a team too. I dropped Michigan State from a five before the game tonight to a seven. I think the way Michigan State's playing right now. It wouldn't surprise me to see him kind of limp in four and four down the stretch, go twelve and eight in the Big Ten. That would be what twenty one and ten. Maybe they split in Indy. They go twenty two and eleven. That's like a six or a seven seed at this point. We'll we'll see. They've got plenty of chances to go up for sure. I got Indiana as a ten. I don't buy that they're a bubble team. I mean, they I don't. They beat either. Purdue. They battled Illinois for a while. I mean, I know battling doesn't necessarily count as much, but although they look at you know quad one losses or whatever but so i got indiana as a number 10 right now um and i've got iowa as a number 12 in a play-in game this year i think the 12 uh two of the playing games are 12 five games um and you know then look for them if they you know as a 12 seed say they win that's very much a team that could beat a five seed i mean that's where those 12 five games are dangerous and right now, in, in probably first four out, I would say Rutgers, I think they've got probably some work to do. They didn't play a very tough non-conference schedule. I think that's probably hampering them. But they have some good wins in the Big Ten, albeit mostly at home. Um, they probably can't afford any 
you know, what I would call sure win slip ups down the road. They got to beat all the teams that are below them and that they should beat. And then they probably need to score another upset or two. And I think that, you know, maybe a win or two in Indy gets them in. So it'll be kind of fun to track this over the next five weeks or so before selection Sunday, you know, see how we end up doing. What'd you say? Purdue one. I gave Purdue a one. Yep. Great. All right. So with that, we will move off of college basketball, which is very fun and obviously a passionate subject for both of us. Uh, and we are going to go to our usual spot number three, Mount Rushmore. And this time I actually picked it. We're going to do, and this was actually hard. Very hard. <laughs> best Super Bowls. And I think it's more of just our four. If they're, if we have any of the same, that's fine, just because it's kind of tough to do. I'll say um, – I found it hard because my team, admittedly the Lions, have never been there. So I had to actually do some research to jog my memory. I mean, there have been some good games. There have been some dud games. There's so much fanfare around it. That's what you usually kind of remember. But I think I've got four pretty decent ones. A couple of them, well, one of them for sure, pre-Ryan, one that he wouldn't remember. Um, and then a couple of other ones that I'm sure he'll remember. But we'll go in our usual order. It's not so much a pick em contest this time. But, Ryan, you, we'll just go back and forth. You go first with your first one. Yeah, I kind of just went with basically my lifetime here. I'll start off with um, one of the bigger upsets in Super Bowl history, Giants over the undefeated Patriots, Super Bowl Forty Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eli Manning, first of two over helmet Tom catch. Brady. David Tyree, helmet catch, Plaxico Burris, game-winning touchdown. Then he shot himself in the leg, I think, of the nightclubs yep. soon after that. He sure did. Yeah, so my probably my top one, uh, George Washington, if you will, Super Bowl 34, 2000, Rams, Titans, 23-16. Kurt Warner, a boy, his first uh, he kind of – he took that team, that best show on turf, um, crazy. The Titans got in that were even alive for the Super Bowl because of the Music City miracle, the throwback kickoff return, you know, throwback pass on the kickoff return. And then stopped at the one-yard line. I mean, that was a really, really, really good game. Yeah, I also had that on my list. Um, are we, like, only picking four total? Or are we doing, like... What is, I mean, you had that on your list, so just give us a third one then. Yeah, um, Patriots-Seahawks, another Patriots one a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Really good game, um, down to the wire. Still don't understand why the Seahawks didn't run Marshawn Lynch at the one-yard line. End up throwing the ball. Russell Wilson throws a pick. Malcolm Butler picks it. Patriots win. Um, that was wild. That another was a one really, of Brady's really good game. Another one of Brady's Super Bowls, which today, after he was pretty sure he was retiring last yeah, week, now, now he's he like, says, eh, "Never say never." So, eh, I just wonder if it's looking for the right situation, different than Tampa. Maybe he can go and increase his legacy and win an eighth Super Bowl with a third different team. I don't know. Um, for me, a second one was Super Bowl 25, 1991, Giants-Bills. I think that was the first, if I'm not mistaken, of four straight Bills Super Bowl losses. Scott Norwood, wide left, I think it was, on a field goal to win it. Game was played in Tampa Bay. It was right about at the beginning of the Iraq War. Um, just very, I just remember it was very patriotic. I think Lee Greenwood sang. They had the stealth bomber. I think it was like almost the first game that they ever did something I'm sure it wasn't, but it seemed like first game I could remember where they did something like that. And frankly, a lot of the games in the late 80s especially were duds. Like the Broncos went a couple times and got absolutely crushed. The Patriots-Bears. I mean, AFC couldn't hold a candle for a long time to the NFC. And then all of a sudden this game was a great one. So Super Bowl 25 is on on my Mount Rushmore. Yep, and then this would be my last one. Cardinals-Steelers. Uh, Super Bowl 43, I think it was oh. All right, that win a Super Bowl yeah. party in our basement. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, Kurt Warner had a huge game. Larry Fitz had a big game. Uh, big touchdown James, late, right, that we thought there was going to win it. Yeah, it, it was Larry Fitz. I think it was a really long touchdown. Mm-hmm. And then Santonio Holmes, back corner of the end zone, toe tap, dragon, touchdown. Um, crazy game. James Harrison had a scoop six when he is, I remember him taking the, the oxygen mask. Yeah. yeah, I had that one on my list too. And for me, my, that was your last one then? Yes. My last one, Super Bowl 51, uh, 2017, Patriots-Falcons. I mean, the blown lead, I think it was a 28-3. Patriots won in overtime. Not a Patriots fan. Mad respect for Tom Brady. Not a Tom Brady fan. But, I mean, how can you not include that as yeah. one of the greatest ones? Just You don't usually see too many games that come down to the wire like that. And let's hope this weekend will be, speaking of which, let's move to spot number four, which is a little bit of a Super Bowl preview. We could sit here and talk for hours about the bajillion prop bets, man. If you just like, to, if you don't, not a gambler, and you just want to bet for fun, 
holy hell, you can find almost everything possible to bet on this weekend. It is it is insane the stuff that you can bet on. Um, I already have a couple out there. I'm I'm getting in on the final score game. That dude that won, you know, hit both the final scores in the AFC NFC Championship and what bet like twenty to win five hundred and fifty thousand or whatever it was. I, I didn't quite. I, I'm not, I don't quite have that much coming my way, but um, you know, ten dollars to win. $1,200, I think it would be not not a bad thing necessarily to get the right score. Uh, I'm not going to throw that out there. I don't want anybody else to steal it and share the pot with me. That's not how it works. But um, lots to talk about with the Super Bowl. All kind of start, like some things that I'm looking forward to. Obviously, Matthew Stafford's a story. Um, Jared Goff, I think, came out today and said, you know, he wishes his former teammates with the Rams well and Stafford well as a Lions guy. I think all the Lions fans are rooting for him. But I'm telling you what, if Joe Burrow gets this done, we talked about it last week, Shit. You know, the first guy to win, the Heisman, the Natty, and the Super Bowl. I mean, he's got the swag. He could quickly supplant, cool. you know, Mahomes as the cool dude in the NFL if he pulls this off. I don't necessarily think that the Bengals are. We'll get to predictions here in a minute. But um, there's a lot of interesting storylines here. The Rams have a much better defense. How many times are they going to put Burrow on his ass? That would be my number one question. Um, both teams have pretty sound running games. I'd give the edge probably to the Bengals. Um, how good can Jamar Chase do? He's been super this year, but he's going to draw some tough defenders from the Rams. Might they shut him down a little bit? Do they have enough other guys between like T. Higgins and is Uzoma? Is Uzoma it looks like he's on some of the the prop bets, yeah, so I he must he play. must be back after it looked like he shredded his knee against the Chiefs. Um, I look for this to be a really competitive and interesting game. And honestly, that's what I hope for. That's what you want. You want it to be a good game. The game drags on so damn long because halftime is extra long. The commercials are extra long. I mean, there's so much entertainment there. So I just want to see a game have have a good ending. But I'm kind of looking for that storybook finish probably for Stafford and the Rams. Um, you know, I think there's going to probably be some surprising things that happen. But at the end of the day, you know, the most surprising thing to me, honestly, would be if the Bengals win because that would be tied with, I think, the best, biggest one-year or two-year turnaround in NFL history. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this game. You know, I think there's a lot of great storylines. You know, obviously, talked about the Joe Burrow thing. Um, Joe Cool, I think that, you know, his legacy um, would be, you know, solidified if he wins this. You know, it would be pretty insane. A, a huge turnaround, um, you know, for Two wins a couple years ago. Um, Yeah, but I mean, I'm just excited. I think it's going to be fun. I think Stafford and the Rams are going to get this done in the end. I think it's going to be a pretty close game. Um, I'm calling 31-23 Rams. Um, I'm thinking Evan McPherson's going to have a big game. Um, The Rams are going to, you know, pull away late, score a touchdown, and go up eight, and then, um, you know, win that game. Um, I'm excited for it, you know, all the stuff that goes into it, the commercials, the halftime show, the anthem. You know the pregame, all the all, everything about it. Love it. Love Super Bowl Sunday. Should be a national holiday. Yeah, it really should. The next day should be, or start the game earlier, so the rest of us can recover and not have to drag butt to work. But you know, prediction wise, I agree. I mean, the Bengals kicker is—he's the best he's thing nails. since Jason Hansen. I mean, that dude is nails. He was a reason why he was a fifth round draft pick this year. I mean, he's already set some records for made field goals and postseason and as a rookie and all this stuff i too have them scoring 23 i have them kicking three field goals i have stafford leading a late drive for the rams and them winning 27 to 23 um that covers the over if you're interested in over under for that part of the the wagering but again you can bet on the coin toss you can bet on i mean you name it you can bet on it you know maybe you'll get in your super bowl squares game i will say this even though I'm going to predict that the Rams are going to win 27 to 23, but I will say if the Bengals do find a way to win this game, lock it right now, your Super Bowl MVP, and I might have to put a buck on it just in case Evan McPherson. That's what I think. That would be crazy because I think he'll make like a fourth field goal and they'll win it or some something crazy. Something so, really so there you crazy. got our picks. We're both we're both. Uh, you know, lean in probably for the Rams. Honestly, if Stafford wins, great. I can't say I'm necessarily rooting for either team. I'm just hoping for a game that's anywhere as close as five of the last six playoff games have been because those have been just ab- – and actually really all the last six games have been absolutely epic. Yes. All right, moving on to spot number five. And we are looking, and Ryan's going to start reaching out for a spot five sponsor here since it's kind of our 
locked in golf spot going forward so if you know anybody in golf that wants to sponsor if it's a course they want to sponsor a contest they want to give free rounds doesn't have to be money be on the lookout ryan's going to reach out to you but we'll, we'll get to our picks um here in a minute ryan you can tell us how we did last week kind of how we're doing in our running picks we'll get get to our picks this week for the phoenix or the scottsdale or what phoenix waste management open yeah. um but before we do that like last week we talked about um, you know, an old Lee Trevino Golf Digest article from 1973 about ways to speed up the game. So this is one that kind of came to mind for me. I've seen some TikToks of the guy who, you know, kind of his premises, what's a rule of golf that you don't abide by when you play with your buddies or whatever. So I thought, Ryan, let's talk this week about three rules of golf that should be changed. Um, not only for just pace of play, but for enjoyment. And maybe it's just for amateurs. Maybe you hold the pros to a little bit different standards. That wouldn't be the first and only sport to do that. Um, yeah. Give me give me three things that you think should be changed. I bet you we have a couple. Yeah, well, I, this is, I know this is going to be on your list, but this, I hate it. Hitting your ball out of a divot. Yeah, in the fairway. It's the worst. 100%. It's, it's if you're in the rough and you're in a divot, then I don't have as much of a problem with that. First of all, because it might even help you actually to – because nobody's going to replace the divot, so you're going to be more in just like a chunk spot. But, yeah, in the fairway, I, here's the one that stands out to me. You and me against Brad and Uncle Tom, Boyne a couple years ago, the um, Arthur Hills course, whatever hole that is, 13 or 14, where you tee up like epically high. And you yeah, just 13. You yeah, just yeah. swing away because it's straight downhill par 5, and you're trying to catch the downslope. Well, I don't even know. It was probably like our eighth drive apiece because we kind of have a rule there, speaking of rules, to hit until you like it, <laughs> kind of because it's such a cool hole. I mean, smashed it all the way down to the bottom of the hill. Like, had a chip to get to the green, I think, in two. But I was sitting in a divot, and I was being stubborn. They're like, oh, I'll move it. And I'm like, no, nope, we didn't agree to that beforehand, and I didn't, and I ch- bladed or chunked it or some shit. That should, I mean, even pros, like, they should never have to worry when they pipe a drive down the middle of the fairway, that they got to play it out of somebody's divot. I'm sorry, play it as you, whatever. Go watch the greatest game ever played, and they're playing out of like puddles and sand traps and stuff. I get it; those were the rules then. This is the 2020s. You know, guys gouge the hell out of the fairway with their approach shots. Like, it's not, don't don't let them clean the ball. Fine if it's got dirt on it, and mud on it, and it's not lift clean in place. I don't have a problem with that. Just let them take it out of the divot. Yes, no closer to the hole. Simple. That's absolutely we 100% agree on that. Give me another one, right? I think it's it's like that, but you know, in in an unraked sand trap, being in footprints. Oh, yeah, that's kind of a COVID rule. We've played it a lot lately because so many of these places that oh, you're gonna get COVID touching a rake or whatever, sitting out there baking in the sun, you know, and people would maybe kind of foot rake it or maybe they would rake it when they put the rakes back out. I agree. I'm I'm kind of a first of all, if you're in like something like that, that's clearly. Not your ball mark, or and it's one thing if you fried egg it, or it's your own ball mark, or whatever. I I get that in the sand because the sand's supposed to be penal, but yeah, when it's somebody's giant footprint or they did a half-assed rake job, like come on, I mean, especially for us amateurs, you know, we're just not that good. The pros aim for the sand; they want to miss in the sand if they're going to miss. We don't want anything to do with the sand, so I agree with that. Mine mine along this the sand lines is maybe not pros, but let amateurs ground your club in the sand. What you can in waste bunkers, but like, what's, what's the point? Like, I'm not going to go in there and improve my lie. I'm not saying you can dig underneath it. I'm just saying like, let me put it down behind it so I can just get a feel for the club touching the ground. No, nowhere else on the, on the course are you forced to hover your club unless it's kind of a crazy shot from a crazy lie. So that for me is another one. It's just like, if you want to speed up the pace of play, and and you know avoid maybe more blade shots and whatever. Just let people improve their line in the sand. Yeah, what give, do me you a, give me a third one. Those are the ones, the main ones I had. Main one you had. I another one for me. And I this again. I, this is not a pro rule. I think this is an amateur rule or a non tournament rule. All hazards, ob whatever should be lateral. Drop it anywhere on a line from I where like you that. went in. Save time, no more reload, no more whatever. I get it if it's a, a tournament, even if it's an amateur tournament or it's a club championship thing or something like that. That's different, right? Like if you're playing tournament, it's tournament rules, it's it's full-on golf rules. But when you're just playing with your buddies, and honestly, most often 
when Ryan and I go play with Tom and Brad or this year Tom and Alex or we're playing with buddies or we're playing together, we have the same rule. It's like, why why am I going to sit there if I'm hitting a wild slice or a wild hook off the tee and do it two or three or four times in a row? Like, what, What's the point? Golf is supposed to be cathartic and enjoyable and get out of the house experience. Like, no, that that's, that's something that should change and it would definitely Im- improve the pace of play. And I'm sure there's probably a lot of people that already do it, but all right, Ryan, how are we doing in the, uh, or how did our twosomes do last weekend? Yeah, so um, let's see here. Pull it up. Um, so you won. You're, so you're winning. Um, so Power, I think he was, what, like 20, he was in the 10th or whatever. Yeah, yeah so he, you're doing. I, did, I, did. I had him winning, and he was in the lead. At, yeah, set a tournament well. record for the first two rounds. I, I had a. Keith Mitchell finished like 12th or something like that, and then Cameron Chinjali did not make the cut. Um, so I did. For for the points, I'm just going to do the their finishing position. If they don't miss the cut or make the cut, I'm going to do whatever place that was. So if it was T70th or better, 70 points to that. So okay. that'd be 82 points or whatever. Um, and mine ended up being 75. And then I've been. I forgot to look um, off of yours early with Kisner because um, I thought that you had Tringali. I think he was better than Or Tringali. I'm sorry, I'm not. I mean, um, Griffin. I'm oh, sorry. I had Lanto Griffin, but he was my second, like, top yeah. ten pick. Yeah. And, so and so we're both. So you did better. You're winning. All right. Got it. Who's, who do you got this week at the Waste Management? We've got a pretty full. Yeah, you know, If you're not following it, the PGA Tour is in a little bit of a fight with uh, some trying to – there's a, a tour in – Dubai. Uh, Dubai that's trying to kind of get going off the ground and, and took a lot of big names last week from Pebble Beach. Uh, but a lot of the top ten are playing this week, and the Waste Management is a great tournament. So who you got yeah, this week? This week, uh, two guys that have played well. They're Webb Simpson, who's won, um, done really well. Bubba Watson, who has had four top fives in like the last six times he's played in it. Nice. I also have Webb, and I have JT, Justin Thomas. He's been playing good, but not quite good enough to get the win. I think he he's puts it win. together. He's I, been I feel like he could win. He's been close there. I kind of thought about Rom. He's too obvious, and his odds are too low. To be honest with you, he's, there's no money in, in yeah. taking a gamble on him when you're it. only betting a buck. So, um, so I'm going JT and Webb, and then just for fun, just because I've been liking to throw a top ten bet out there, I'm going with Andrew Putnam, um, who has been top ten the last two or three tournaments and has been playing really well. So, you know, a little buck to win eight or nine bucks or something like that. So. That is golf for this week. All right, let's move on to our sprint. Got a surprise thrown in here in the mix for you too, Ryan. First free throw line, who will win the Super Bowl MVP? I'm going with Stafford. I'm going to go with Cooper Cup. I'll answer the questions alongside with you. I'm going to go with Cup. I mean, he's got to get the ball from Stafford, but I think he's going to do some electric things. Half court, who wins the Big Ten in basketball and with what record? I think Purdue ends up winning it um, at, at fifteen and five. Yeah, I think Purdue and Illinois tie at fifteen and five. I think if anybody can get to sixteen and four, sixteen and four will win it outright, and that's going to be tough because after tonight, one team's going to be either one team's going to be left with two losses, or you're going to have three teams with three losses already. Four teams with three losses. So Ohio State has only has, has three losses. Michigan State dropped all the way down to fifth place with their loss tonight. All right. Fan of the 16th hole crowd at the Waste Management opener. Yes, absolutely. I think a little, I mean, there's place for that, right? I think a little bit more of that at times in golf where it's kind of more of a measured, controlled thing than mashed potatoes and that kind of stuff that you hear at some things. I, I personally like it. I think the guys like it. I think it's fun for them. I think it kind of knocks down the stuffiness of the game, if you will, at times. All right, full court and back. Better football movie underdog story, Little Giants or Invincible? Little Giants. I've only seen Invincible once, maybe. Yeah, I knew Vince Papali. True story. Played for the Eagles, but yeah, I knew you were going to say Little Giants. I, I had to go with Little Giants, too, just because it's a fun movie and watched that with Ryan as a kid and, and even just recently, a couple weeks ago. And bonus spot, another long and back, mo- based on a little video that you sent before. Most underrated Spartan mercenary of all time on the hardwood. Like, guy that just, you could just trust to freaking beat the other team. Probably Cassius, honestly. Um, he was an assassin. He's just a killer. As Kevin Harlan said. There's been a lot, of, a lot of really, really good players, but he, 
I mean, he's unbelievable. I'm going to go with the video, the clip that you sent, and I'm going to say Drew, Drew Neitzel. I love mean, him. Best, a guy best that not a lot of people think about outside of West Michigan, honestly, and just ambidextrous. Sure. I mean, he could hit it. He could pass. He could hit the floater. He was a lot like Cassius, maybe kind of a poor man's Cassius in a way, but pro- even maybe a little bit more athletic. But um, shout out to Drew. All right, Ryan, give us a little bit of a – of social media wrap up and close here. Yep, uh, follow us on Twitter. Trying to post more stuff, you know, and, and as well as on uh, TikTok. There, um, my uh, TikTok handle is posted on there. I'll, I'll put that out there again. Um, trying to post more content, you know, sneak peeks at what we're gonna do. Maybe some fun little videos that just have to do with basketball stuff like that, golf, all the fun stuff. Um, shout out to Team Andrews Realty. Just uh, re-upped their sponsorship with us. Super um, excited to have them back as the, the presenting sponsor again. If you're um, looking to get your brand out there, um, please let me know. Um, text me, DM me on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, MySpace, whatever you guys have. <laughs> yeah, Send we a carrier pigeon. Definitely a, a shout out to Team Andrews. I mean, such gracious friends and sponsors and supporters of the show. Certainly, they're the presenting spot. But hey, I mean, not that we want to make this a NASCAR thing and sponsor every segment and every sprint cycle. But you know, we got room for more. You know, Mount Rushmore is pretty locked in. Golf is pretty locked in as a spot. You know, um, you know. So if if you're a golf course or something to do with golf that wants to, again, we'll we'll do trade with you. We'll do you know if you want to kind of give something away for a contest, maybe throw a couple rounds in for Ryan and I, whatever. We're game. Maybe we'll hit you up at the golf show this week at the West Michigan Golf Show. But, um, again, echo what Ryan said. Shout out to Team Anders Realtors. If you have realty needs, especially in West Michigan, check them out at teamanders.com. In the meantime, as Rudy Zoltek once said, that's it. After the Michigan State loss. He didn't say that part. I'm leaving the country. I'm moving to New Mexico.